Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of James, chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not, accept to receive, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. The word of God for the people of God. It is good to see that sun. <laughs> Today we continue our worship series, The Gospel According to Mr. Rogers. Fred Rogers was an ordained Presbyterian pastor, and he began fil filming Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood because he was frustrated with children's programming at the time, and he wanted to do something about it. So for two and a half decades and over 800 episodes, he used television to nurture those who would tune in and watch his show. Entertainment Weekly describes Mr. Rogers as a balm of kindness and empathy in divisive times. And I think this is why I have so enjoyed researching and studying and preparing for this series, to see someone who unconditionally loves everyone. It's a rare and a beautiful gift that we don't often see in this world. Fred Rogers once said, the greatest thing we can do is to help somebody know that they are loved and capable of loving. Fred Rogers was an ordained minister, but he was not a televangelist. And he never tried to impose his beliefs on anyone. But, the, but behind his cardigans was a man of deep faith. He used puppets rather than a pulpit, and he preached a message of inherent worth and unconditional love to his young viewers, embodying the gospel of Jesus in every episode of his show. So during this series, we are taking a look at those biblical themes that, and those lessons that he shared on the show as well as in his daily life. Let's pray. Oh Lord, I pray that in these moments, your spirit might be felt, your hope experienced, and the challenge of your good news declared. Calm our minds and open our ears so that we may hear your voice speaking to us, that we truly may be transformed by you. Amen. In Tom Hanks' movie, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Joanne Rogers, Fred Rogers' wife, is asked what it's like being married to a saint. And in the scene, she bristles at the question and she rejects that terminology, saying if you make him a saint, then who, when who, then who he is seems to be unattainable. He has to practice who he is every day. And in an interview, Joanne said Fred worked hard on the, on the hard things of life. And he, she says, I always think of a saint as someone who is good without working at all. But Fred worked hard. 
Fred did work to fight his anger and his sadness to become the man that he was so that he could walk the walk like he did. In Amy Hollingsworth's book, The Simple Faith of Mr. Rogers, she shares how Fred also did daily work every day to center himself in what he believed mattered most. He impeccably observed his daily routine. He woke up at 5 a.m. for prayer and reflection and Bible reading, and then at 7.30, he took a swim at the local pool, and followed um, by all of that was his daily work routine. And he kept to a 9.30 bedtime. Even his diet had structure. He didn't partake in any alcohol or meat. But of all of his daily disciplines, the one that contributed most to his transforming presence that he had was the one that began at five o'clock in the morning, slowing down, taking time, and appreciating silence. In essence, prayer is how he began his day. Each morning, Fred prayed for his family and friends by name, still offering gratitude for those that were, had gone on to be with Jesus. And his prayers then continued at the pool where he would sing, Rejoice in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord, alleluia, before he dove into the water. And he would emerge from the pool ready to face the new day with a clean slate, like he was coming up from the waters of baptism. And then as, again, his prayers continued as he walked into the studio each day for work. He would say, dear God, let some word that is heard be yours. What enabled Fred Rogers to be Fred Rogers was his diligence in practice, rooting himself in God's presence each and every day. This morning's scripture focus comes from the book of James, which uh, James is this gathering of sage wisdom for any and every community of Jesus followers. James here is James, the brother of Jesus, and he was also a prominent leader in the very early church when Christians were known as followers of the way. In this book of James, this letter to early Christians, James' goal isn't to share new theological insights with people, but it's, as one commentator puts it, to get in your business and challenge how you live. And we hear that in today's scripture, that James opens this book of wisdom by acknowledging that life is hard, but he believes that life's trials and hardships are actually the, these gifts that can produce endurance and can shape our character. God can do ma- amazing work inside of us in the midst of our suffering and help us to become perfect and complete. James uses this word perfect over and over and over again, but it's not the perfect that we think of, but It's perfect in that it's wholeness. It's living a completely integrated life where your actions are completely consistent with the values and the beliefs that you hold dear and you've received from Jesus. James knows that most of us in this world actually live very fractured lives. We are very fractured people 
with big inconsistencies in our character. Last week, the children reminded us of this when, when they talked about the three simple rules of doing no harm, doing good, and staying in love with God. We do not want to cause harm to other people, and we want to do good in this world, but it is hard. We gossip, we say things that hurt people, and, and often we let our emotions get the best of us. However, in this book of James, we are reminded that God's mission is to restore us as fractured people into wholeness with God. And this restoration begins with wisdom from God, primarily to see our hardships in a new perspective. God created us as good and beautiful creations, but we are incomplete. We need to connect ourselves with God in order to be whole. We need to stay in love with God in order to be whole, to be fully who God created us to be. James believes that our hardships and our trials enable us to find true wisdom, to see that we are fundamentally in need of God, that God is good despite our immediate circumstances. James tells us that God will generously give this kind of wisdom to people who ask in faith without doubting God's character. It says, beginning in verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. This is, <laughs> James was often gave us a gut check as Christians, telling us the hard truth sometimes. God is always willing to give us wisdom, but often barriers exist within us that keep us from receiving God's wisdom. When we ask, we must believe and not doubt. Our faith must be more than merely accepting what a creed says or, or what others say that the Bible says without reading it. It's not simply saying, oh yeah, yeah, God, God exists, that's, that's fine. When we believe, we must be confident that God will give us what we request. We must believe in God's loving care for each and every one of us. This includes relying on God and expecting that God will hear us and answer us when we pray. Now we know that God won't grant every request that we make, but we must have confidence and trust that God will align our desires with God's purposes. We must put away our cynical attitude that we often have with the world and trust that God will give us understanding. Now, I am a very big proponent of questioning one's faith. Questions are how we grow in our understanding of who God is and how we are to individually claim our life as a follower of Christ. However, questioning and doubting are two different things. 
Doubting describes someone who wavers between two opinions and isn't quite sure and isn't, isn't sure which camp they live in. Someone who isn't completely convinced that God is the best way. One moment they're saying yes to faith and they fully believe and trust in God. And then the next moment, it's a no of doubt. Believing that they don't need God in order to handle things. That they can handle things on their own. They are the wave in the sea, unstable and being blown and tossed back and forth. But I would be surprised if there was even one of us here this morning that hasn't doubted God at least once in our lives. I know that there was a time not too long ago when I lived in a place of doubt. From the outside, everything seemed fine. I was focused on serving others and doing ministry for God, but I was so consumed with serving and doing that I left no time to cultivate my personal relationship with God. And I had inadvertently surrounded myself with people who doubted and didn't believe in God, and it played into and allowed me to get sucked into their doubts and their uncertainties because I wasn't standing firm on solid foundation. I wanted to believe. I would go to church and I would think, yes, that sounds good. I, I like that. But then I would go home and life would happen and I would start to wonder, is all of that really real? I wanted to believe and so I would pray and I would ask God for help with things that I was going through, but I didn't get a response from God. And so that just played into my doubt. My doubt was blocking my ability to be receptive to the Spirit, but then hearing no response that, that solidified my doubt and that feeling that God was just absent from my life. But then I went on a retreat with some women, women who were unafraid to share their faith and how God was at work in their daily lives. Women who would open up their Bibles and, and search scripture, looking for truth that God was speaking to them within its pages. Women who would drop whatever they were doing to pray for one another in some of life's most difficult times. And I found myself wanting what they had. Wanting that actual, real relationship with God like I once had. A personal and an intimate connection with the divine. And so I dusted off my old prayer journal and I began to write. And I wrote page after page after page just talking to God. Asking God for forgiveness and praying that I might be connected to God once more. God, we used to have such an awesome relationship, I wrote. I was connected to you, I could hear you, I responded to you. We weren't just friends, we were together, God. I want to be together again. Help me make a home for you and me again. I love you, God. And that time I really meant it. I believed that God was there, that God was listening and waiting for me to come back and as I wrote, I felt God's forgiveness and warmth. And I heard God say, my child, you are home again. We have all doubted. That's part of life, and that's part of faith and, and just life with God and one another. But we have this opportunity 
to put our doubts aside and to feel the warmth of God's grace and God's wisdom in our lives. But it takes practice and it takes discipline. We don't just happen upon it, but we every day have to be committed to connecting to God, to trusting God, and knowing that God is true and God is real. Practice means that you are not perfect at something, but you work to improve and refine your skills. As followers of Jesus, we practice every day. We have an opportunity every day, every moment, to ask God for wisdom, believing that God will respond. Joanne Rogers complained that Fred's out there now as somebody who, who's somehow way above all the rest of us. People in, invariably say, well, I can't do that, but I sure do admire him. I would love to do that, but I can't. Well, you can do it, she said. I'm convinced that there are a lot of Fred Rogers out there. Fred Rogers was no saint. He was a normal everyday person, but his level of personal discipline did cultivate an interior life that inspired awe in others. He allowed his love of Christ to transform the way that he understood the world and the way that he saw the people around him. Still, though, he was simply a flawed human being who found wholeness in Christ. We are all capable of doing that, if we just put in the practice. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, you are the Lord of our lives. And God, we, we doubt you sometimes. We doubt that you are here listening to us. We doubt that you are next to us when we are in turmoil. We doubt that you hear us, that you want to be with us, Lord. We doubt that you love us. But God, help us to just know. Help us to be confident that you do love us unconditionally. Lord, I pray that this morning that we might not be tossed by the waves of this world, but we might stand firm on your foundation, knowing of your unconditional love deep within our hearts, so that we might help in transforming this world for you. Transform us so that we might be part of your work here. Thank you, God, for all of the chances that you give us each and every day. Amen.